2: Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinny Wiley. This week we look at bodybuilding. Mahanri Swalga talks about his rugby academy in Samoa. And the Pacific Oceania team is named for next month's Fed Cup tennis tie. But first, Fiji have qualified for next year's Under-19 Cricket World Cup after completing a clean sweep of their Pacific rivals. A stunning upset of defending champions Papua New Guinea set the tone in Blenheim with victories over Vanuatu and Samoa sealing the East Asia-Pacific trophy in a first ever World Cup berth. Head coach Shane Jurgensen says their success was long in the planning.
3: Oh, we believe we had a pretty uh, strong group here. I mean, these boys, we've been preparing for this for a little while, more intensely since December. Before then, even these boys were training together as a group with the senior national team from about June last year. You know, I'm really, really proud of the way they approached it and very professional. And they're all big boys; they're, they're big and strong and they're fit. And they've just really come here and executed our plans really well.
2: You obviously caused the boil over on day one, beating Papua New Guinea, which then put all the focus, all the emphasis, on your team to keep going because Vanuatu had made the final the last two events. So you had to finish the job against Samoa, and it must be, you know, really pleasing the way they stood up.
3: Yeah, the win against PNG really set the tone for the. The remaining games, we bowled really well and then finished off at the batting winning by five wickets, beating Vanuatu again by five wickets. And, yeah, I think a lot of people weren't expecting to, to see our boys play the well as they have. And my words to them this morning uh, was that we wanted to win this game and win it really well to prove a point that there was a reason why we've got direct entry into the World Cup next year. And today they did just that. I mean, we probably should have only been chasing 80 rather than mid-90s, but that's the way it goes. And to win it, only losing one wicket, even uh, Stamps, you know, the way that I wanted them to win today, and they did just that. So I'm really, really happy for them, and everyone back home should be happy with them as well, obviously.
2: So now you're headed to the World Cup in Bangladesh, a country you're no stranger to. I mean, how much of a benefit is that going to be at that event with the knowledge you have of the conditions up there?
3: I know the place pretty well, having been there for three years, and, and I suppose when you go to the subcontinent, it's all the little things you don't expect, and that's probably where... I might have my advantage uh, for the boys' preparation, understanding the conditions, the weather, that time of the year, uh, what the wickets will be like. Uh, we need to know what teams are in our group so we can prepare accordingly. And obviously, it's subcontinent, you need to probably learn to play more spin. Look, I think for us, it's just still, you know, we've got a very young group here. We've got boys that are nearly as tall as me, but they're still only 15, 16, and a couple of 17-year-olds. So that's going to be a whole new world for them going to Bangladesh, and we need to prepare them accordingly, both on the field and, and also off the field. Uh, that's certainly an area where I'll be able to help the boys out.
2: Is this the first time a Fijian team has qualified for a World Cup at any level?
3: I'm pretty sure it is, and if so, it's just a, a fantastic achievement. And, we, and we've done it the right way as well. You know, We've had to come here and prove ourselves. It's really exciting, and, and it's exciting for the sport in Fiji. You know, There's been a lot of work in behind the scenes for a long time. A lot of these boys, as I said, were involved in the national men's team, toured Australia for the first two weeks of that trip. And also, you know, they've been playing Suva uh, domestic cricket. And despite whether that's competition is strong competition or not, it's the fact that a lot of these boys are actually playing against men in the, the 2020 comp in Suva Cricket Association. So a lot has to be said for that because they've been exposed to playing you know, against more experienced cricketers. So, it's, you know, it's just a really fantastic effort and it's really good for the sport in Fiji.
2: That's the Fiji cricket coach Shane Jurgensen. Papua New Guinea finished second behind Fiji and can still join them at the World Cup if they win a global qualifying tournament later in the year. The New Zealand Fijian bodybuilder Myra Rogers heads to the United States this week to compete against some of the world's best at the Arnold Classic in Ohio. Rogers won the 2013 professional figure title at the New Zealand Nationals. And this weekend we will go up against 14 of the best figure athletes from around the globe. She says the journey all started when she had to give up netball after a second ACL injury and was searching for another sporting focus.
1: I walked into a supplement shop and the guy that was there, who is now my coach, was like, you need to do a competition. I was like, no, 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 I'm not into that. And He was like, yes, you need to do a competition. So I went along and I had a look at one and I was like hooked straight away. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. I started comp- Competing and I won my first competition, which was the South Island Champs. That qualified me to go to the South Pacific Champs, um, where I represented New Zealand and won the um, South Pacific figure title. And then I just kept going from there. And, um, yeah, I haven't stopped. And it's just good because it gives me a goal and puts purpose behind my, my training, really.
2: So how long ago was that, that it all started?
1: 2013.
2: Not that long ago, really, in the grand scheme of things?
1: No, not at all. Yeah.
2: Um, and how much of your life does this now consume? How much training do you have to put in to, to get to where you want to be? And, and I guess, where do you want to be? What, what are the goals now that you're in the sport, you're committed, and obviously you've, you've won a few titles, and no doubt there's something else you've got your eye on?
1: I do about two to three hours of training a day, just depending on where I am at in the season. My main focus at the moment is the Arnold Classics Ohio, which only 15 females from around the world get invited to. So it's pretty much the top 15 in the world. Um, And then from there, I'll be going to the Melbourne Arnold Classic and competing there. And hopefully um, from there, I really want to qualify. My big goal is to get to the Olympia. That would be like over the moon. It's pretty much the Olympics for bodybuilding. So... If I can do that, and then I um, definitely have
2: reached my goal. So how did you find out you'd been uh, invited to go to the Arnold Classic in, in Ohio? Who makes those calls, and did you think that this was possible this year?
1: Not at all. I didn't think that was, was possible. Um, you, basically, you have to submit like a CV for the people that run the Arnold Classic, um, and you have to say what shows you did and submit photos and stuff. And the way I found out was one of my real close friends, she texted me and was like, oh, my gosh, you're on the list. And I was like, what? No way. Like, Because I was expecting an email or something like this. And it was really cool because it was like two days before my birthday. And I checked the list and my name was on there. And it was like I just was blown away. I couldn't believe it. It was just so unreal to see my name up against all those other top
2: figure athletes. It's quite a crazy event too, isn't it? Because you've got all sorts. You've obviously got the figure stuff, you've got the, the strong man and, and all that, but there's all the yeah. the other sort of interesting things as well, like jump rope and hula hoop and pole fitness and wrestling and karate and all that. So it's uh, all sorts going on over there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's huge. The um, Sport Classic is not just a bodybuilding competition, but like you said, there's so many other sports and stuff that's
2: going, that goes on there. And uh, I understand, have you got a bit of Fijian heritage? Or well, there was a point where Fiji were... Hoping to get you on board for some competition at one stage.
1: Yes, um, I'm proud Fijian. My mum is full Fijian, and I, we, growing up, we used to go back there every single year. My dad passed away when I was a kid, and so all I pretty much grew up around was my Fijian family. So I'm really proud to be Fijian. A lot of culture there. Fiji did um, email me um, once to do the South Pacific champs for them. Unfortunately, I had already turned professional by then and I can't elicit and possibly still for me to do the um, South Pacific Champs as an amateur, uh, which was an amateur event. I would have loved to represent them um, because growing up as a kid, watching rugby, netball, I've always cheered Fiji and um, always been proud to be Fiji. So that would have been awesome, but it was just the timing was a
2: little bit off. Okay, so the people you're going to come up against in Ohio, was this pretty much the, the cream of the crop, is it uh, worldwide?
1: Definitely. It's pretty much the top five of Olympia will be at the competition. So it's all the girls that I look up to, follow on Instagram, on social media and stuff. Like, I'm pretty much going to be going up against these, these girls. And I never thought that a day would actually come where I'd be standing on the same stage as these girls that I admire and, um, and that inspire me so much. So it's a little bit freaky, though. Try not to think about it too much and just try to think of it as another competition I just want to stick to my my game plan.
2: Do you get to meet the man himself while you're over there?
1: Arnold? Yes, I do. So when I'm over in the Columbus High, when we go to registration and stuff, he'll be the one that's giving out our numbers and our little packs and stuff. So I'll get to shake his hand, which I'm really excited about. Growing up and watching lots of his movies and stuff, it's going to be huge, so I'm real excited.
2: That's the New Zealand Fijian bodybuilder, Myra Rogers. Having hung up his boots last year from professional rugby, former Manu Samoa captain Mahanri Schwager is now trying to pass on what he's learned to the next generation of Samoan players. The 36-year-old started the Rugby Academy of Samoa at the end of last year and says the aim is to put their players in the shop window to earn contracts and scholarships at schools and clubs overseas. My
4: time in the Chiefs and the to sort of learn a lot. I mean, David Rennie and uh, Wayne Smith and Tom Coventry, the sort of guys the sort of really want to the sort of develop the game and have the trust in the young guys that can perform in the top level of uh, Super Rugby and the ITM as well. So I sort of came back home and I see there's a lot of talent floating around for kids sort of trying to find a, a program so they can be part of it and upgrade their skills and probably open another door for them to go out of the island. And then I thought oh, the academy will be a great opportunity for these kids to sort of develop their skills and hopefully can open up doors for them to start a career out of rugby, so... We've been going for the last five months and we've been working really hard and trying to build a relationship that the, uh, the Samoa rugby lost in the, in the last couple of years. So we can have trust in the uh, clubs and, and schools uh, outside of Samoan zones in Australia and especially in Europe. So we can have a place to send our, our kids to.
2: Is there anything else like that in Samoa at the moment? I mean, obviously, you know, everyone knows the sort of talent that comes out of the islands. Is there any sort of formal setup aside from obviously national selection teams prior to no. you guys setting this up?
4: We've got the, uh, the Samoan Rugby Union, yeah. They don't have a program like academy, sort of the under sixteen, under 14s, or under 20s. They sort of didn't have that structure and a plan for, for the future of these kids. I think the academy is, is, is something new here in the island and there's a lot of parents and you see there's a hope and there's a light on the other tunnel. This academy just open up to any kids as long as they have the uh, right attitude and they've got the skill set to, uh, to become a better rugby player. This is the only program that's been here in the island and, and hopefully there will be more sort of academy around here that people can see what is best for, for our kids.
2: So for the talented young players that you do have, the ones that are potentially capable of making a career of, of rugby, you start relationships with schools and clubs overseas. Is that easy to do? You've got the Essentially Group from New Zealand who have a number of high-profile players on their books, such as Daniel Carter and, and many other top All Blacks. Um, is that a relationship that could, I guess, help some of these guys get contracts or, or get scholarships at schools and you know, begin that pathway towards a professional career?
4: Of course. Of course it is. And you can see that the game is global now. And you see a lot of uh, Pacific Island players from the islands that move over there for scholarship. And they ended up playing for uh, a figure union, like, uh, like especially the Oblak. And you look at England as well, you sort of see guys like Kulangi and even the, the French team, they start getting the Fijians, the Tongans and the Samoans in their team. So the, the main thing is that we're, we're looking at avenue for these kids. But here in the islands, we not have the money. We don't have the competition to to develop our players. And The best way to develop these players is to send them away. And one day, hopefully, they will come back and play for uh, represent their country. But if they can able to start a career and play for the All Blacks, play for Australia, play for mm-hmm. England, and that's a huge opportunity for them. To sort of where uh, they represent another country.
2: So ultimately, you would obviously love these players to represent Samoa in the future. But would it bother you if they went to those other countries and then you know took up? you know, with other nations like the All Blacks or England, as you're sort of saying, is that something you would be trying to avoid or is that just an inevitable thing in rugby these days that, you know, sometimes those opportunities come up and you can't blame someone for taking them?
4: <laughs> I've been asking that question a lot, and especially our people. People here in Samoa and uh, in New Zealand, they ask the question, are these guys going to come back and play for our country? My answer to it, I hope so. But the end of the day, it's about looking after himself, looking after his family. Like I said before, there's nothing here and you look at how our uh, our rugby union is going at the moment, they're not really stable at this stage. So I've got to look what is best for them. If they're, they're to wear the All Blacks jersey or represent another country, I think it's a great opportunity for them.
2: Have you had any scholarships come out of it yet, or are you still working on, uh, on getting those first few?
4: Five scholarship already. So we already have got a kid that moved, uh, got a scholarship in Rotorua, uh, one for St Paul's Collegiate in Hamilton, uh, in and we've got another kid going to uh, Heston Boys, and uh, we've already got a kid going, and it's uh, Secret Heart up in Northland. So we've got two guys that are going to America, so we've got two other players going to America at uh, end of this, this month. You no, know, the, the, the working is a, a non-stop working every day. We're trying to make sure that these kids believe there is an opportunity, and they can make them keep on coming to the training. Like I say, here here in the islands, the kids' a lack of the confident their attitude is not there so we've been working really hard on it some of these kids just turn up one day and then disappear for a couple of weeks so having the scholarship and they can see this and the opportunity here yeah, they keep on coming
2: that's the former samoa rugby captain the pacific oceania fed cup tennis team to play india next month has been announced Tahiti's Patrice Cotti will kept on the side, with Samoa's Steffi Carruthers the highest-ranked player included at 999 in the world. Pacific Oceania last entered a Fed Cup team in 2004, and the vice president of Oceania Tennis, Cyril Mangi, says there's a lot of anticipation about how they'll do next month.
5: A lot of our top girls at the moment are studying in the, in the States and they cannot be released from the school because they're into the full season. However, we've got our top Two players in, in the Oceania being Abigail Apisa who finished uh, her studies in the U.S., and Stacey Kouravas from Samoa, who is, also has been trying to get on the circuit and was playing in, uh, in South America for a bit. And then we've got a new upcoming uh, youngster, Violet Apisa. She's originally from Papua New Guinea, but she's in school in uh, uh, Meriden School in Sydney, uh, one of the best girls' tennis program, I think, in Australia. And she was actually at the Australian Open in juniors and made second round, being only 15-year-old, which was a a great result. Uh, So she's also a name in the team. And then the the fourth player would be Brittany Tehe. She actually represented Oceania Dolphins at the ATL during the Australian Open this year. She lived most of her life in New Zealand. She's currently now based in Melbourne. And uh, she was part of the Cook Island teams that actually won gold in the Cook Islands in the team's event in 2009. So I believe we've got a pretty good team. Uh, we've got uh, the the captain is Pratis Koti from Tahiti. He'll be uh, coaching and leading the Fed Cup team to India. It's been a while since we've had a uh, Fed Cup team for Australia. So I think the the, the whole region is pretty excited about it and having our best girls. Like I said, it was. we wish we could have had other girls like uh, Annie Shannon or Tarani or Masia terapisa as well, but they're all at the, in the state, so the timing is not perfect, but I'm I'm sure they'll do great and they'll uh, make OTF
2: proud. As you say, it might be disappointing to not have everyone available, but at least to have a, a pool of players that were all pressing for selection is, is a good sign, and I suppose... When you've got players over in the States on those scholarships, um, be it to help their tennis, be it, you know, obviously they get a degree out of it as well. Um, you know, it's good good for them in their future as well and good to have players uh, being sought after by the uh, unis over there.
5: Yes, definitely. and uh, And hopefully, you know, we can only hope that these players will come back into the region and then contribute back. Into uh, you know into developing tennis and uh, you know raising the level of of our sport in the
2: region as well. And I imagine with some of the ones that you have picked, the likes of Steffi and Abigail. I think Abigail's still based over in the US, isn't she? So uh, even just to have well, the, have them available. Well, she's, is...
5: she's actually came back and she played for uh, for the Oceania Dolphins as well at the ATL. Uh, in January in Melbourne cool. and, uh, and ever since she's, she's been back in the reg- region waiting for the Fed Cup and she's actually apparently training on the Gold Coast trying to get ready for the Fed Cup. I think she'll probably stay in the region until maybe the Pacific Games but I'm, I'm not sure. So she, she completed her study. She's willing to try to go back to the US to try to play tournaments.
2: All four of these girls, are they all expected to be involved in the Pacific Games later this year?
5: The first three definitely. Uh, because Violet uh, is uh, top two in Australia in her age group, but she decided, you know, she's still young, and I think Australia would want her to play for Australia, but because the games, actually, in Papua New Guinea, she's from Papua New Guinea, I think her father and, and, and herself were, uh, were very excited that, could get selected into the team. And I actually had a long chat with Patrick, her father, in January. And, I mean, to us in Oceania tennis, the aim is to get all the best players in the region. So I think she'll be representing Papua New Guinea for the time being. And then once she gets older, you know, I mean, she can play for Australia.
2: How ready will this team be? Uh, obviously, the tie is in April over in Hyderabad. Um, you mentioned that Abigail is uh, on the Gold Coast training. I think Steffi's been uh, back home in Samoa uh, recently. Um, Is there any tournaments around, or are they all basically having to do their own thing wherever they are?
5: Well, unfortunately, uh, that's always the case for the OTF teams, uh, whether Davis Cup or Fed Cup, is uh, the players do get ready wherever they are and play as much tennis and play as much tournament, and then they will get a couple of days earlier to to get used to the courts and then uh, battle with the Great Islands
2: spirit. And that's the Vice President of Oceania Tennis, Cyril Mangi. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.